When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Flames Nation Radio. I'm Ryan. He's Shane. Hi, Shane. Hi, everybody. So as uh, folks watching this on, on uh, the video feed will notice that Shane looks rather dapper uh shane shane uh I, you know shane has obviously been through a change in dwelling that wasn't his uh his uh his choice uh yeah. and at, during that process uh he he apparently only lost one jersey but it was his beloved blasty jersey yeah my my raz jersey uh it had a bunch of mold on it by the time i was able to go in and grab it so okay, okay. It, let's uh, it, let's in, ter- in terms of your jersey collection what was the ratio of Jersey's saved to Jersey lost because you lost uh, one. I, uh, let me see here. I've got my uh, I'll list. I've got my Tarasenko retro blues, my Ovechkin Capitals, my Patrick Kane Winter Classic, um, and then all my Flames jerseys. My Brody script jersey, my Johnny Flags, my um, my Double uh, IHF jersey got saved. My uh, my my Minnesota Vikings jersey got saved. My three Leafs jerseys got saved. You can roast me for that later, folks. It's fine. And it's about like 14 saved to one lost. So that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good, good ratio. That's a pretty good The ratio. only reason the Blasty one is gone is because it was the one I wore most recently. And it was on the it was in the laundry hamper it was it was your and it most was the one that got soaked by the the fire hydrant water it so. was your most loved jersey most recently <laughs> and unfortunately now your love will have to go to other jerseys uh as per usual this this is a flame this is a playoff edition a first round playoff edition of flames nation radio uh brought to you as always by the fine folks at doordash and by eau claire distilleries uh makers of rupert's whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames and what better way to there's two there's there's two ways, folks, to enjoy. Okay, three ways of enjoying Flames hockey during the postseason. Uh, obviously, one way is in your own home with your own food, your own couch, your own drinks. And if you're gonna, if you're if you're thirsty, you know, get some Rupert's whiskey, get some uh, some food delivered by DoorDash. That's a good. That's a good way to enjoy a game. Uh, if you uh, want to get out of your house, maybe you're tired of uh, of your family, you're tired of your roommates, you just want to get out and socialize a bit in a safe setting. Uh, we'll recommend go. To, you know, we'll we'll plug this again at the end. Uh, we're uh, our, our folk, uh, our, our friends uh, Noah Adler and Princey are hosting a little get together at the Red Lot, uh, which is just outside the Saddle Dome for Game Two on Thursday. Uh, the game starts at eight. People will be there much earlier, so if you get down to the Red Lot, you're going to go hang out anyway. Go find Princey and Noah and have some fun. Shane will be down there too. 
so at the very least, I'm, I am going. I want to be as I want to be as close to the action as possible. Last time I went to the Red Mile was Game Three. They were playing against Colorado, and it, like out and about. And I was at uh, the Bistro, not the Bistro, the Cabana on 17th, watching with a bunch of friends. And uh, yeah, that didn't really go that didn't really go their way. It didn't go that well for a lot of people. Uh, the other, the third way, obviously, the the best but most expensive way to enjoy Flames hockey in the playoffs is to be physically in the building. Um, so yeah, we, we might as well transition to game one. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, it was the first sellout of, actually the second sellout uh, of the season. Uh, it was in terms of human beings and seats, the, the side alone has not been more full. I talked to some folks in, uh, in the organization and uh, in the building services department. Uh, there was, I'd say, maybe at most 50 empty seats in the building. If, uh, if, if even that. if they were empty, they were up or they're probably up walk, walking around. Right. Yeah. Like, so there was it was uh, they was full. Let's put it that way. It was full. So they they did. Uh, but I think uh, it was a it was a really nice uh i i'll shout out uh, give a shout out to the flames uh, uh game operations team uh, the presentation team uh the atmosphere is really cool they did a lot of cool stuff with uh with the intros the intros are really cool the fans who showed up are loud and excited and uh, you couldn't hear jack shit for good periods of the game <laughs> at the end of the game they could not hear uh, the end of the game horn and whistles and stuff because the fans were so loud so if you were in attendance kudos to you friends because you were loud and uh they were treated to a pretty good hockey game i think it was really two games shane because the first period uh we saw you know i i was sitting up top uh in my usual spot and the flames of the first period were as good offensively and in in terms of possession and, and uh all that stuff as the flames have been all season they they the 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 Dallas Stars did not get significant zone time until about 12 minutes into the period. Their first shot on goal was until 11.06 into the first period. The Flames got the first like 10 or 12 shots or close to it. Like it, it was very one-sided and it was well-deserved. The Flames, you know, they, they did their thing and Dallas seemed back on their heels. And then in the second, at the end of the first period, really where it, it tilted because there was the pair of fights uh, you know, the Flames lose Rasmus Anderson. Dallas loses John Klingberg. Both teams, A, lose a, uh, a really important forward for five minutes, which sort of screwed up their forward rotations. And B, both teams lost a, a, a top two-pairing defenseman for the, the entire rest night. of the game. And the so I, I think both teams would say that they didn't really have the ability to roll their lines very much. And for the Flames, Shane, I'm sure you, you're attest to, the Flames are at their best when they're playing five on five and all their lines are engaged. And for, for that second period, there was, I think, eight minutes and 13 seconds of five on five play. And it was the Flames had a power play and then maybe 30 seconds of five on five. And then Dallas had a power play. And then, oh, then the Flames got a power play again. And then there's a short five on three. And then, oh, the, now Dallas got a power play again. It was a very weird period. And then the th I thought the third period, the Flames normalized a bit. And I think things tightened up a bit in the third period. And the Flames did a nice job of really staying their ground. And, and you know, I think da Dallas had, what, three shots on goal in the third period? Three in the third. Three, that's it. That's, that's, that's pretty good. And I thought I thought if if you're looking, you know, for one takeaway from the first game, outside of the fact is, yay, they won, hurrah, uh, I think it was how they won. Because that's the kind of game where, it, you know, the the – other editions of the flames, other versions of the flames, past editions of the flames would have come in and gone, 
okay, we're going to play this particular type of game. And they'd be really happy in the first period because they did it. And then second period, the game would change on them and be like, oh man, well, let's just keep playing the same way. And the game would have got away from them. And I thought, I thought they were really good at adapting to the circumstances and just rolling with it. And I think that the, the adaptability is why they won that game and why they didn't, they, the, we were, I think everyone watching that game was thinking in the back of their minds, okay, so this is where Dallas ties it, right? And then it just never happened because they, they played their game and they adapted well. They were locked in defensively from the start. They weren't going to give Dallas anything. And Rasmus Anderson in that first period at five on five had zero expected goals against. It's like losing him was massive. He had, he spent the entire five minutes that he had a five on five time. Plus he was a first power play man, which, so he was, he didn't get touched the puck on the power play goal. Cause it was just the three amigos up front there that did that. But uh, he was crucial and losing him hurt Calgary more than Dallas losing Klingberg at the end of the night. Daryl Sutter after the game, Daryl Sutter after the game, he, he noted Rasmus plays really important. He's, I think he's really important. He, he's the, the number one. He, he oh, Daryl flat out said that. And I think, yeah. you know, a very nice compliment for Rasmus Anderson, especially, you know, in a broad sense, this is the, the guy that was, his fitness is criticized by, uh, by Brad for living a few years ago at a, at a training camp and development camp, even when he was pushing for an NHL job mm-hmm. and he's, he just kept growing his game. But he's their he's probably their best uh, transition D man in terms of he and Noah Hannafin are very good at sort of moving the puck between them and then moving the puck up. Uh, mm-hmm. Anderson's also really good at picking his spots. He's probably got the best shot of all the the, the blue liners in the team. Uh, you know, Michael Stone. We apologize for for the the slight, but I mean Anderson hits the net more often. Uh, he also plays more often. But I think the other thing is you know Anderson touches the game in so many different ways and he's such a stabilizing force that you lose him and you have to shift around a lot of what you do and I thought you know I I thought they did a really nice job like you you take away a guy that does everything for you or, or a little of everything and you know I I thought it, it could have been something that really upended them a bit and I think they were really good at not letting it and I think that's on the team but I think it's also on the coaching staff because you know the uh, Erica Branson mentioned to us post game you know they they got told basically you know, I think uh, Danny Austin from Post Media asked, like, what do they say to you after the after the period when they find out that you're, you're not getting Rasmus Anderson for the rest of the game? You, you know, they're basically like, well, you know, we, not much, but we basically went, oh, no, he's a he's the only he's a righty and he's a penalty killer. What do we do? And then so they had to split up their usual the usual defensive pairing on the on PK one is Tanev and Branson. They're both righties. So what do you do? So you have to put one on each and then you have them each playing with like someone on, on PK. They don't normally play with. And, and he won't I, play. And he mentioned, Sutter mentioned, he won't play Shillington on the PK. He won't do it. He it's not so much. He, 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 his phrasing was he doesn't play PK because yeah. Shillington has not killed penalties. Shillington wasn't a penalty killer no. in the AHL. He hasn't been a penalty killer in the NHL. And in a playoff game, it's not really fair to <laughs> you don't wanna... a, guy, for a yeah. guy who's in his first full year of the NHL. It's kind of unfair to say, Oliver, go play penalty kill for the first time in your pro at pro North American career. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I know, I know when I tweeted out, uh, you know, the, the, the time on ice for the defenseman after the second period, people were like, how come everyone's got more peak, more ice time than Oliver Shillington? The answer is because Oliver doesn't kill penalties. 
And and uh, he also had a very nice compliment for Noah Hannafin. Uh, one of the media members asked about Hannafin, and he said, "Oh, Noah can play minutes. Like he's like, I'm not worried about that. He's like, Noah can play minutes, and Noah can play quality minutes. He said the hard part is Noah can't play minutes on the right side, right? A right man, like, and that was Tanev or Goodbranson. He said that had to pick up their minutes. Tanev ended up playing 25-51, which I I've thought before the game started. Chris Tanev is going to be an X factor. He's not going to be an X factor in the goals column, goals four column, but he's a huge X factor playoff wise in terms of goals against. And he's and, been one of the best defensive defensemen. And, and we, we talked about this. Now. We talked about this in previous weeks, you know, during, during that time when Oliver Shillington was hurt and dealing with that injury, you know, uh, they, they had Chris Tanev playing with everybody. And even, even if you look at Chris Tanev's entire time, at the Calgary flames, he played with, you know, Rasmus Anderson and actually played with uh, Noah Hannafin. And that was the best pairing on the team during yeah, the, the first half of the year. And then he got moved over to, like then he, then he played with, games. then he played with Mark Giorgiano when Daryl Sutter took over. And that was the best defensive pairing. And then Oliver Shillington comes from, you know, the boonies to become a top four defenseman and who they put him with. They put him with Chris Tanev and they become, you know, if not the Flames' best pairing, neck and neck for the best pairing. Like that's been a really fun race to watch between those two pairings. And then Shillington gets injured, and they have Connor Mackey playing with Tanev. They have Zadora playing with him. They have Stone. They like you. You can basically put anybody with Chris Tanev, and they'll be effective. And that's that speaks to how good Chris Tanev is at so many different things because Chris Tanev is one of those guys that he just he works his ass off, but he also makes it look easy. And he's, and those two things are both hard to do because, you know, a lot of guys, they, they work their ass off and they look like, they look like they're going to die. And there's some guys that, you know, you know, they look like they're working hard and they're really just moving around a lot. And Tanev does everything. If you look at some of these championship teams that have won since like 2010, they have their Nicky Almersons, they have their Willie Mitchells, they have their Rob Scuderi's, they have their books or picks. They have, they have their defensive minded defensemen that help them win like, like there's always someone that's a defense specific defenseman that plays really good minutes and provides for them on a championship run chris Tanev's the flames guy it's, and the, it's the Flames also have zatarov who's been playing very well this year um, it's a cliche but it's true it, it defense is defense wins championships you know and, like- and and if you look at the heat map, like there was three high danger chances between both teams period it was it was, it was three three Yep, the whole game. Well, even just look at you know in terms. I I thought you know a lot a lot has and will be written about and spoken about the goaltending matchup in the series between young Jake Ottinger and much less young Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom was really good, but he faced sixteen shots. He he only he only had I think what the the, the, seven seven expected uh, according to our dear friends at uh, Natural Stat Trick, who just do amazing work. If if you haven't been to Natural Natural Stat Trick go there and speak nicely of them because they're just nice people that provide really accessible stats to pretty much everybody. Uh, the, the, the five on five shots, uh, I believe were, uh, 1917 or 1915, uh, the scoring chances at five on five were 11 to nine and high danger chances were three, three at even strength. That's like, that's, that's, uh, that's buttoned up. Like that's if you're, tight. if, if you're like, usually, usually, you know, if your teams in terms of the, the five on five scoring chances, you're like, if you can give up fewer than 20 shots, a game, fewer than 20 scoring chances a game, because the scoring chances include, you know, it's course, the events that are in the, in the, in a specific area of the ice that are considered. And they have to hit the net. Like course, the events will, uh, course, the events will count shot blocks and misses scoring yeah. chances won't. 
scoring chances have to actually hit the goaltender. So that there's a big dichotomy between that. So you do miss a bit in the high danger. Like if you have a high danger Corsi event, like the guy's in tight and he just roofs, like goes over the crossbar. Well, That natural stat trick distinguishes between high danger shots and high danger chances. They're not the same. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're different. So, but, but, that, but that's the thing. I, I think if, in terms of like medium and high danger chances, I think those, that's how they, they qualify scoring chances, medium and high danger chances. Uh, the Flames were like less, like they gave up less than 10, less mm-hmm. than 10 in a 60 minute game. Granted, a lot of five on five time for a good chunk of it, but in a 60 minute game against a team that, you know, has been playing some really good tight checking hockey. It's a, you know, Rick Bonus is a good coach. He aggressively pursues specific line matches. Uh, Daryl Sutter's much more of a eh, roll of guys, but I, I think the I think the Flames did a very nice job with, uh, with how they played. So I mean, they what what do you say? They you know it's it's a one nothing playoff game. They got the result they needed, and was it was it a perfect game? No, I'm sure they they would have liked to have not taken as many penalties. I think as the series goes on, the Flames would want to spend more time playing five on five. But if you're trying to set a tone. Uh, as you're the, the flames, if you, if you, you know, let's be honest, like as much as like, Shane, you've been talking to fans, I've been talking to fans. We've been on Twitter, you know, people are nervous. I mean, flames fans, we hear you. We understand your anxiety because it's, it's a team that hasn't won a playoff round since 2015. It's a team that, you know, hasn't gotten past the second round since 2004. Like it's a team, even Daryl said, says it's an organization, a hockey club that has not have sustained success in a long, long time. And so if you're, if you're skeptical, you're like, yeah, show me the playoffs. Well, the best way to show you the playoffs is by winning a few games. And the best way to win a few games is by winning one game. And yeah, they, next, they, they win the next game, right? Yeah, like, they, like that's that mentality. Like right now the focus is, okay, we got one, right? I'm not even worried about that. I'm worried about the next one. Right, like well, we might, not, we might the next, well, not the next, not the third one, not the fourth. We we next. might as well we might as well transition to talking about game two because like game two game two is pretty fascinating because uh, Mike Gould uh, on Twitter pointed out that the Flames I think have lost their last eleven game game twos. Okay, as the side, is it games two or game twos? Game twos, game, game twos, because they're each an individual event. English is very strange. Uh, yeah, so the, the Flames have lost their last 11 game twos. Uh, the last time they won game two was actually uh, in 2004, the conference final, when they beat uh, the San Jose Sharks in the first two games. So they were up, that was the series, I believe they won that series in five, and they won that series in five by winning the first two games. So if I was at one of those. I don't remember which one. I have a puck from the I'll say this. Final. I, I said I this. Young, I said so. this on the radio. A lot, a lot of folks from, who were a certain age in 2004 have hazy memories of 2004. So you're, you're, you're a young, you're a youngster, but yeah. 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 Your, your memory, grade, your, your memories, four, Pike. your memories would be hazy for different reasons than my memories were hazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were, you were late college and I was in grade four. So. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I think the, you know, if, if uh, you know, the flames, I think, I think the, the nice thing for the flames is they've been really good at hitting the reset button after good games bad games in different games they're really good at hitting reset button and i think if you if you're going in a game going in a game two especially the flames are you know had their best road season ever uh and we're one of the top road teams in the entire nhl you can make a really strong argument granted dallas was always dallas is the betting underdog in the series before they even played a minute of hockey they're the betting underdog uh sportsnet Every single person on Sportsnet's expert panel on Sportsnet.ca said Flames win the series. Some and, said, 
and ESPN and TSN. Like not yeah. not a single major market analyst, NHL.com too, not a single major market analyst picked Dallas. Yeah. And anywhere. And, and so the 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 dichotomy we're we're gonna experience probably the rest of the series here on out is the Dallas Stars are playing with house money. The Dallas mm-hmm. Stars made the made the postseason. Good, great. They made the postseason. They got a playoff spot in the toughest division in in the league possible. One of the toughest divisions in the league. The Central Division is a murderer's row. Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. There are no bad teams there. And Dallas, Dallas and Nashville are not bad teams either. Uh, so there's there's five good teams in that division that made made the playoffs. But I would you I don't think it's insulting to the fans of the Stars or Predators suggest that the expectations for the for the wildcard teams are lesser than the other three teams in the Central. Uh, but in, in terms of, in terms of the stars with the flames, uh, we, you know, the, you know, the three, four days leading up to the postseason, we saw analyst after analyst, after analyst saying the flames would win the series. Not only did we hear a lot of them almost unanimously say the flames win the series. We heard quite a few of them say the flames could contend for the Stanley cup. Uh, many, many people from sports in this panel said the flames win the Stanley cup, uh, from NHL.com, from, uh, ESPN, from Yahoo, like all kinds of folks, people who know things. People who are educated, well-versed in the hockey world are saying the Flames could win the Stanley Cup. Some think the Flames will win the Stanley Cup. The Dallas yeah. Stars don't have that. The Dallas Stars are going in, and the Dallas Stars the Dallas Stars have no pressure on them. Like the Dallas Stars, everyone and their dog, uh, hello, Frank, from, uh, from you know, Bag Milk's dog, Frank. Not Frank Cervelli, who is not a dog. He's a human being. Uh, there's two Franks. But... Everyone and their dog are saying, Flames will win, Stars will lose. So if you're the Stars, I mean, on one hand, losing game one, yeah, you're, you know, people expect you to lose game one. People expect that, them to lose a lot that of games. One, that one had to hurt them, though. That was a yeah. game where the five-on-five play where Calgary's super strong was broken up. Their goaltender literally only let one goal in. And it was it was a hell lose. of a goal, too. Like, and, what, and what was he supposed to do? lost. There? That that has to stink. That's that's the one. Like that's one that you hope you steal from them. Like yeah, they're the favorites. Yeah, they can outscore you. Yeah, they can punch you in the mouth. When it's that, and there was only three chances each side. That's the one you hope you steal. But they just couldn't and, get anything. And, their offense, their depth offense is not good. And, James and I think ben that, is a shell of himself. The the other thing I think too, like. You know, we, we, you know, we talked about, you know, the idea of getting the crowd into it or taking the crowd out. And I thought if we, if you were watching the other series, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday between games one and two, and there's an Edmonton game tonight. If you watched the, the first Edmonton game against LA on, on Monday night, really good hockey game, really good hockey game. And if you're an Oilers fan, shitty ending, like, let's be, let's be completely honest, shitty ending, I mean, but like you win, you, you live by Mike Smith, you die by Mike Smith. But that, I thought the thing the Kings did really well there is the other fans, like, you know, I knew people in the building, that place was rocking. And then the Kings scored and the oh, air got let wow. out. That's, the, that's, that's what you have to do as a road team. And I thought mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're the, if you're the Kings, you thought, okay, they're come out, going to weather the storm, pick our spots, score an early goal, get the crowd out of it, and then play our game. And I thought largely the Kings did that. The Kings played a really good game, not a perfect game, but they they played their, their strengths, they played a smart road game, and they gave themselves a chance to win off of a fluky goal. And they mm-hmm. scored off a they, – they got a one nothing series lead on the road. They stole a game. And, and it, this is the kind of game where if you're, if you're Dallas – you watch how L.A. played in, Cal- in Edmonton, and you go, that's what we got to do in Calgary. And – I thought the Flames did a much better job in the first period than Dallas did setting a tone. If you're the Flames and you're thinking, 
okay, this might just be a one goal game. The Flames did what they always do. They played a good first period. They scored early and then they defended. And the Flames did, because the Flames were up, they didn't have to open up their systems at all and do stretch passes or anything too fancy. I thought both teams gave up uh, a lot of turnovers in the neutral zone, but the Flames, I thought they didn't have a lot of odd man rushes against. They did like uh, Jacob Markstrom, three even strength, their three high danger, even strength chances against. He did not have to do a lot of cool looking saves, a lot of crazy. He didn't have to do a lot of basic looking saves either. Yeah and, if, yeah, and if if the if the idea that you know the the flames are going to get as far as they get based on defense, goaltending, and timely scoring, well, that game, defense, goaltending, timely scoring, and if you're the star, if you're the stars now, like I think the pressure, I think pressure in game one was on the flames because the mm-hmm. flames, you know, we had been hearing for three years, especially the last two years, but it's three years since since the nineteen series. Oh God. Are they ever going to do something? And okay, they had a great regular season. Great regular season. Full marks of the regular season. 50 wins, first place. No one's going to poke holes in the regular season. It was well deserved. You know, they're going to they're going to hang a banner in the in the in the Raptors at the end of the season. And I think this is a season worth feeling good about. But they 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 came out and the pressure was on the Flames in Game One because you don't want to get down in a in, the, in a series when it's the first time you've hosted fans in your building since you lost in game five to Colorado and so yeah they they got the win now if you're Dallas you're thinking okay we played pretty well and we didn't have anything for it the Flames admittedly don't think they played the Flames thought they played pretty well but the Flames probably have a lot of like the video meetings the Flames have today are probably uh, like 20 little things that they thought they could do better and they probably could have done 20 little things better but the Flames, the, the Jake Stars played. Jake Ottinger stopped a lot of dangerous he's, he's chances, saw, and, but he saw a lot of stuff. Yeah, like Manjapani's that 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 one pad save he made, like he had to make on the power play there for Manj one time. Right into the pillows, though. Right uh, into the he, pillows. Well, he saw was going for the bottom right corner and is hoping hoping to maybe slide it under while he slid over. Like I, I I saw his logic there, but he got there right. And then there was another one that was so close. Was it didn't one go off the post too? Like they were they were there were some chances in the power play, but again, both teams both teams were power plays were messed up because their number one quarterback was gone. I'm kind of curious. Do you agree with me? Like, I think this, I think the pressure's on Dallas in game two, because I, mean, I still think it's on Calgary. Really? Because they're really? at home. Explain. Well, they're at home. They don't want it to get away from them. They're still trying to prove to themselves as a group. Like they blew it last time. Right. Like they know, they know this, this is the team they blew it against last time. Like they they didn't they have a series lead didn't they have a the, the flames one the flames led one nothing and two one in that series yeah and then they lost in six yeah so to me it's still in that room these is the same guys that lost to this now it's a different roster but same team it's still on them it's go out get the get the control of the series and go to Dallas knowing that if you take one game in Dallas that their their hope is like you've destroyed pretty much all of their hope so like Dallas doesn't have any pressure at all no matter what they're playing with house money based on how they got here like we said and you know their players might have expectations but the fan base is probably and and a lot of the rest of the world's kind of like even if they get by calgary like can they can they get by the whatever juggernaut comes out of the central division can they defend well enough to stop a kopitar or a mcdavid like to me it's still on calgary because calgary 
they haven't like they haven't won a game two in forever in since 2004 so 18 years and 11 11 game twos that they've lost in a row yeah so to me it's still on them they need they, they themselves need to come out and just con- like take control now and then know that going forward no matter what happens when you, you you can do it and and you can really beat dallas and the one thing i really like about calgary is whether they get up or whether they get down, I really don't feel they're going to change how they play. They didn't do that all year. 82 games of consistency and 83, 83 games of consistency because game one was well, I'll, I'll, from start to finish. I'll show my work. I think that I think the pressure's on Dallas now because uh, if you come home down to rip to a team that is historically and especially this year been so good on the road, I don't know if you're coming back from that. Well, that's yeah. That that that's partially why I believe it's on Calgary. Like if Calgary can do it tonight, that's huge for because now Dallas has to win four in four and five, basically, don't they? Yeah, math yeah. is hard. Yeah, yeah, so winning four or five period against anybody ever is a tall, tall task. So if Calgary, like, that's why I think Calgary can do some serious damage if they put the pressure on themselves. And, and I, to me, I'll, I'll agree with you there every night every night every game the pressure's on the team that want because the team's the one that needs to win the team's the one that has to want to win and they've got guys like did you like it's time to mention Lucic was in his friggin I'll, element i'll say night. i'll say this as i this i thought that like especially live the fourth line was really good i mean Brett, i didn't like Work. brett Ritchie's penalty i thought it was kind of a sloppy penalty to take but you know it's a penalty of intensity he was he was he was engaged you can't really can't really rag on it too much, but that whole line, I thought Lewis and Richie and Lucic were just throwing the body around. I thought, I thought, I thought more, I, I would say in that game, I want to see more from the first and the second line, like the, the Lindholm and the back line at five on five. I thought the, the yarn line with Dubé and Coleman, especially Coleman, Coleman was great. I thought that line and the fourth line, like the bottom six forwards were just very, very good at setting a tone at playing a style and then just grinding. And I thought, you know, if, if I I think if the flames play the same way they did and just tighten up their details a bit and stop the, stop the penalty taken a bit, like just a little bit of a tweak. I, that, that, I think that's a sustainable kind of play. They can play for, I don't know, 20 more games. Blake Coleman and Milan Lucic showed why they're champions last night. Like they showed how, why, and you know, who else, they're rubbing off on and he's playing like it. And he has been playing like it recently down the stretch is Dylan Dubé. Third period, like usually playoff games, the first period just hit everything that moves and then it dies off as the game goes on to start the third period. The flames were hitting everything. That fourth line kept it going and Dubé kept it going on the four check. If the Dallas star touched the puck, and they were pretty good at that. They're pretty good at dumping it in and keeping it away from Ottinger so he can't come out and play it. The D has to go back. And then the D gets hit every single time. And when you hear you're going back to grab the puck on the boards and all you hear is and you just know you're about to get steamrolled. You're not making the best choices with the puck, right? Like you're, 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 you're mortified. You're about to get killed by a freight train. And you move the puck without thinking. And that's how you can create offensive zone turnovers. And that's how you can get some um, quick goals in the playoffs. And honestly, that's with how important the Flames D 
are to how, you know, they, I, they have confidence in their D. I think they feel they have eight D can play meaningful minutes in the playoffs. I mean, Connor Mackey, very good in the AHL. He's been good in, in the times we've seen in the NHL. Michael Stone, I, you know, there might be one or two better sevens in the league this year, but in terms of a seven at league men, you know, he's been very good when they needed to be, but I think that the flame six is really sustainable. And re- like, you know, they showed last, you know, in game one, you lose a guy, you could just, you know, they can mix and match and make it work. They're better if everybody's there and they're better if everybody's healthy. And I think the more time you spend, you know, crashing and banging in the other team's zone and wearing them there, D, the easier it's going to be to win four games. And, you know, that I think the, the fact that they played so well is why they won game one. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job setting the tone physically. But again, you know, if they can if they can tighten up just a little bit less ticky-tacky stuff and just stay out of the box, like, you know, realistically, wow, if you're the Flames and you take two fewer penalties in that game, you're, you're basically playing, you could, you're, it's a lot easier to roll your guys on five on five and you know set the tone that way i'm i'm not complaining about refing in the flames game particularly like uh, sutter said it i've watched every game so far i've watched bits and pieces of every game most notably i've watched the entire leafs game i watched the entirety of the oilers game we, we won't watched, hold the leafs against you and i i watched the entirety of regulation of pittsburgh new york uh i was expecting it to end before the flames game started uh, it ended pretty much almost the same time the Flames and game ended. <laughs> as, as, an, as an aside, as an aside, so the Flames used three goaltenders in the bubble season. Markstrom, Riddick, Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue only played one Louis game. We got a win, baby. Louis Domingue comes in Spicy with, pork, with uh, baby. K- Casey DeSmith, uh, had a lower He's body hurt, injury. Hurt. It wasn't a cramp. It was a hurt. He got hurt. Yeah. He so he tweaks, he tweaks something and, and got pulled from the game. So Louis Deming comes in off the, okay. So Louis Deming, just so folks know, Louis Deming, really nice guy. You know, uh, yeah. I, I believe he's an Alan Walsh client. We love you, Alan Walsh. Never change. Uh, but Louis Deming, came, you know, he came into Calgary and he was the, the uh, uh, taxi squad goal. He never played. Then, you know, he, he moved on to the Pittsburgh organization and he's been playing, you know, he's been, he's like their fourth string goalie. He's playing behind, I believe he's playing behind, but who's, who's hurt? Jari uh, and DeSmith. Jari and DeSmith are hurt now. And I believe Alex Dorio is being called up to back up Louis Domingue. So if you're, if you're the Penguins, you're already down Tristan Jari. So you have Casey DeSmith, who's pretty good. He's not Chris, Tristan Jari or Matt Murray good, but he's pretty good. And so you have, you have, you have Casey DeSmith. And you have your third stringer on the bench and you're going, okay, let's hope everybody can get healthy soon. And then you're like, oh no, I got to throw in Louis Domingue. And I can imagine, you know, the Snickers and Penguins fans going, Louis Domingue, what the hell? This guy barely played this year, let alone last year. Louis Domingue, 17 saves in overtime. And it really, you know, they, he got thrown in cold into overtime, into multiple playoff overtime where, you know. Folks, it's double OT is when he came in. Double OT in front of tired, tired, tired players, entire players in square garden, tired players who tend to make, you know, shitty decisions with the puck when they're tired, because that's what tired people do. They just bad, make bad puck decisions. And he made 17 saves and got the win. And so that, you know, he's, and again, because of spicy pork and broccoli, uh, David Riddick, the not other so goalie, the other ex claim so did not have as good a night. He gave up four and got wow. the yank in the first game against Colorado. Uh, Daryl Sutter, very famously put it, uh, you know, you're uh, eight days wasted. You're gonna get the shit kicked out of you if you play Colorado. Some of those goals Ritter let in were not good. Like, like one game, the second one and the uh, fifth one were 
you gotta you gotta stop those in the playoffs. I'll just one was just a shot off the wing, and he lost his he lost his far post and went down, and it just beat him clean. And I'm just like, oh, Dave, buddy, you you can't. It's it's gonna. He did not look. He has not looked comfortable in the net since uh, Connor Connor Ingram got some positive comments from his head coach, and it looks like he's going to start game two. I don't. I I don't think he can go back to Riddick for game. Wait, can he go back to the last game of the regular season? he let in like they, they took Colorado to they, he played Colorado and they took him to a shootout, but they were up for nothing. Right. Yeah. So, so he, and then, and, and then in the next game, they were up for, for nothing. Yeah. If that was Ingram. So like, what are you going to do here? All, all we can, all we can say is uh, our friends in Nashville, you're lovely people. Uh, we, we hope we wish you well. Uh, get well soon. You see sorrows. That's, that's get what well happens soon. if you don't have a good, well, uh, but, but, but again, again, flip, ever since that stick flip in Edmonton, he hasn't had any consistency. The poor guy. Yeah. When and honestly, like, okay, I was talking to some folks in the press box, some out of towners about David Riddick uh, when the score came out, and I'll say this, okay, guys, guys, uh, everybody, everybody, huddle up. Um, you guys know that Big Save Dave was a sarcastic nickname, right? David Riddick took over the net for the Flames in the first half of that season. He became the starter. He and Mike Smith were a tandem and Mike Smith had three or four games where he just looked awful. Like he couldn't make a save. And so when Dave Riddick got put in there, like Dave Riddick was the year before he was an, a good, but not great backup. He was a perfectly acceptable backup. Second half of back to backs on the road. He always got thrown in and he always gave you perfectly acceptable goaltending next year. He, you know, Dave, uh, Mike Smith was fighting it. And, you know, people were, were, you know, the boo birds were out every time Smith went wandering. And then they threw Dave Riddick in because he was their backup and they had no one else. And they put him in and he was pretty good. He, was he great? Occasionally he was really good, but he's usually pretty good. And the nickname Big Save Dave came because, and he, he made saves and Mike Smith didn't. So every save that Dave Riddick made was a big save because the other guy's making no saves. So I'll say this, uh, Dave, Dave Riddick, having dealt with him for a couple of years, Jam of a human being, really nice guy. Wish him well. I have no idea how the Flames got a third rounder from from uh, Toronto front for him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the, you know, and the cool. I mean, that's the game. The flame. The Flames got a well, second round. They got a second round pick for. Uh, they got a second round pick for Ray Tobera. So I mean, I mean, goaltending's weird. If a goalie coach falls in love with you, uh, then he's your team's going to get a good good pick at it. But I mean. Or, or- Depends how desperate the GM is to get some sort of new. Does it sometimes? Sometimes what they have is probably just fine. Like, uh, but because you're going to get absolutely roasted by the fans if you don't do well, anything. And, and like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember. You're you probably have more Leafs connections than I do. Uh, the trade deadline last year when they got the third, that was when they weren't sure how healthy their goaltenders were going to be, much like this year in Toronto yeah. at the trade deadline. And so they, they, you know, the Flames retained salary. I correct me, actually, uh, the Flames when they retained salary on David Riddick was the first time in the Flames in modern Flames history since the mechanism was was uh, introduced into the CBA where the Flames ever retained salary on a on a transaction. So it the Flames didn't want to go to Michael Hutchinson. The Leafs really didn't. And they guess they what had happened? tried him. They tried guess him, and happened? they thought the Leafs end up having to use Michael Hutchinson. 
Yeah. So I mean, Furman, it, he's inevitable. He's like Brett Ritchie. He's inevitable. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, so that's, that was the, that was the, the hockey story in terms of flames, goaltenders or flames related goaltenders on, uh, on Tuesday night, uh, uh, a 16 safe shutout for Jacob Markstrom in a game where the flames played really tight defense and, you know, good on him. Uh, a not quite as good night for four four goals against and didn't even finish the period for David Riddick in was it five nothing or six nothing win for it was Colorado. five nothing we got pulled and it was and fifteen Na- minutes into the game. Nashville didn't play great defense in front of him, but they didn't play terrible defense in front of him. They played fine, but if you play fine against Colorado, you're going to get destroyed. If you play good against if you play good against Colorado, you can still get destroyed. You have to play perfect. Like it's it's kind of like like last night Dallas they did pretty much play perfect at five on five. But they didn't like they they took a penalty. The Calgary got a power play goal, right? They killed all their penalties. The, the difference in the entire game was a power play goal. Again, face offs and special teams. Face offs and special teams. They want to face off. If you if you if you look at it, like how many more games are going to be that close? Like Calgary has dominated teams all year. That was one where it was pretty even. How who are you to say that that's going to happen again in this series? Like that is. I just to me if i were a stars fan that would just crush me that whole loss would just crush me because it was right there but yeah exactly so i mean if you're if you're the flame like i i'm really i'm really obviously it's the playoffs we're all excited i'm kind of curious and excited to see what game two is like because i know all we know is it's gonna have a hell of an atmosphere again uh i, I bet you it's louder because uh if some people might take friday off work and you know then they'll go full all- I I, 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 I'm, I know, you know, being around the building during the season, I, I know a lot of the security people, uh, security hates eight o'clock games, Daryl Sutter and the security Darryl people, hates eight, eight o'clock games. Uh, the coach hates eight o'clock games because it screws up the, the routine security. It, it just means that there's two extra hours for people to drink or an extra hour for people to drink. So everybody's a little bit drunker and a little bit more rowdy. And that leads to shenanigans. Uh, thankfully, I, I got told last night it was relatively quiet from a shenanigans standpoint. Thankfully, uh, you know, it was a good game, good atmosphere. Everybody went home happy. Uh, driving home, there's a lot of hooting and hollering on 70th Avenue. So thanks to everybody who, who shouted profanity, you know, up, uplifting profanity at me as I drove home. Good to see you too. Uh, yeah, I think game two, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it's a Friday night. I think people might say, screw it, take Friday morning off or take Friday off entirely and see how she, see how she goes. And I, I think it's going to be... I think game two is going to be the one that swings it. I mean, if the Flames win game two and they go up two rep for the first time in 18 years, maybe it's a shorter series than we thought. I thought maybe Flames in six, maybe Flames in five. I don't, I, I, I don't want to probably, predict Probably, I don't, like, it's very hard to predict a sweep. Like, like I think it's really tough. To, I Realistically, realistically, again, there's no bad teams in the playoffs. And unless no. the gap in talent between teams is like Colorado and the rest of the league or Florida and the rest of the league, very rarely are you going to see a sweep. But I, I think, you know, I think if you go up to nothing and you're heading into a road, if you're the Flames, you go, if you're, if you're going, now. if you're going to big D up to nothing, you just need to win one and then try to win one at home. And, and then, then the, you hold serve. Game, game five would be Wednesday next week here in Calgary. Yeah. I believe Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. The, the so, game, game five would be Wednesday. Game six, if necessary, would be Sunday. Sunday, Sunday know, would be game seven. Sorry. Yeah, if, yeah, you're just thinking of the home games. Yeah, so, so for those of you following at home, Thursday is game two. It will be necessary. 
the two games in Dallas are on the books. They will be Saturday night at 7.30 Mountain, then Monday night, 7.30 Mountain. And then if they still need games, Friday would be uh, a Flames home, or Wednesday would be a Flames home game, time TBA. Depends on TV. It'll probably be eight. Uh, then Friday, if necessary, back in Dallas, time TBA, probably 7.30. Then if necessary, game seven would be Sunday the 15th in Calgary, time TBA, probably probably or, Probably earlier. because it, 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 it depends if, on TV. If, if the Eastern team series are done, then they'll start the Flames game maybe an hour earlier. Like, and especially like it's, it's a, especially, right? maybe, so. maybe it's just me. It's a sun, If it's a Sunday, maybe get done a little bit earlier, but I don't know. I don't control it. Start at six or something like that. Six, we used to do six, five and six o'clock starts all the time on Sundays, you know, but uh, then the TV people took over and they're like, let's do seven 30 starts, Ryan. It'll be fine. I go, you can stay up all night Sunday, Ryan. You don't need, to do anything monday at the university ryan i don't have to do anything ever i live i i, I basically got chained to a radiator i just do things for for, for people for money you know oh supposed god to that tell sounds the bad like that you're not that supposed to tell the public that i'm gonna have to tell bag milk that now i get changed for radiator. The, the, actually no because we moved the radiator out of frame i'm no longer changed for radiator i have a, I have a long tether from radiator we do feed we do feed them folks we, we give them i get I get a bucket of fish heads snacks once a week. I get a bucket of fish heads a week, and it's how I it's how I stay alive. Yeah, uh, yeah I I think this is uh you know I if you're if you're a Flames fan outside of going man I wish they could have scored more goals in game one. What are your I'm complaints? Not like, about how too many penalties, not quite enough goals, and what else? Like that's it? Is that the whole? That's that's the complaining, and those two things are probably connected. I'm every win they get, I'm not going to complain. I'm just I'm going to be like I noticed this 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 good for winning. Right, I just I, this. This is the time of year where this I, is this is this is the type me, of I take I, and I keep you and Daryl Sutter see these things the same way. I will try not to overanalyze or over dissect these these wins. It's in my nature. I'm sorry, especially <laughs> one nothing wins. Especially yeah. one nothing wins. Two one nothing wins now. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I think now we're at the point now. You know, if you're a Flames fan, I mean, you you like them to win in particular ways, but it's also it's also like you know, as the pilots say. Any landing you can walk away from is a good landing, and in terms of in terms of the playoffs, uh, it's it's a sprint to the it's it's both a marathon. Uh, Blake Coleman said it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. It's both a marathon and a sprint. Every game itself is a sprint. You're just trying to get more goals than the other team quickly and stay there. And the Flames did that in Game One, and then you reset and you do another one. So it's a marathon in the sense that it's a series of sprints that turn into a marathon over time. But it's really a sprint. So you're racing, you're you're basically trying to get to the finish line. And there's no in the playoffs, there's no bad wins. There's just wins and there's losses. You can't say my, that you had a good loss. You can't say you had a bad win. There's wins and there's losses. My favorite comparison is the Leafs won five nothing and the Flames won one nothing. They count the same. Right now, the difference is nothing. They both have the exact same lead, and game two is gonna happen. Um, it, like I said, seven two yeah, Colorado whooped Dallas. Does not matter if Nashville wins game or Colorado whoop Nashville. Doesn't matter if Nashville comes out and wins game two, right? Like that. That's just the point of the the don't getting too far. I see a lot. It's it's my own little pet peeve. Everyone goes one of sixteen, right? I'm like one. Let's let's do the next one now. I'm not worried about fourteen or ten. It's one of right now. It's one of four. I'm like four. I just want two now. I don't care about three, four, five, or up. I just want two. So like, yeah. that's just, that's just me though. I, I, I'm just raining on people's parades because I'm being way too, 
Way but, too- would, but that's, I think that's the way the coaching staff looks at it. You know, if we put some truth syrup mm-hmm. in Daryl Sutter, he'd be like, yeah, one win is great, but two wins would be better. So I don't like one win anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. the way you have to look at. It. I mean, you know, once they get to two wins, two wins is great, but three wins is better. I think that's the way you got to look at it. I think, I think being able to flip that switch, I think the men, I think the mental side of a potentially 28 game playoff run, if all, if all playoff series go to 27 games, the, the flames in 2004 played 26 games. They, mm-hmm. they played too shy of the maximum mm-hmm. amount of games you can play. And so, and Daryl's had, he's had playoff runs that went the maximum. He's had playoff runs where they swept 19, a couple series. 19 yeah. is the lowest ever. And he, that was Daryl. He went 16 and three in 2014, I believe. Yep. And how, how many, co- I think, you know, one of the benefits, you know, we'll, 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 we'll top, well, at some point we'll stop you know, speaking nicely about Daryl, but I'll I mean, how, how many, how many coaches are there in the league who've had the experience of going on long playoff runs that took the minimum and took the maximum? I don't and think there's one and one and lost, right? Yeah. Like, like he's, he's literally quite literally done. Like when he says, yeah. I know, like when he's in the summer, I, he goes, I know, like, don't worry about it. I, I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> like literally of all the people of all the 32 vacant coaching positions. Yeah, you do. Like there's not that many currently coaching that have done more than him. He if, is. If you, if you, we'll, we'll talk about this more in the off season. Cause I think, at some at some point, you know, uh, we, we, I wrote about it on the site when Jerome McGinley got inducted to the Hall of Fame. A question I asked uh, on the site was, "Has Daryl Sutter done enough to get inducted in the Hall of Fame?" And the answer was, my consensus was, probably. It's yeah. pretty close. I mean, if you it's compare Daryl Sutter, if you compare Daryl Sutter, if Daryl Sutter stopped coaching today, he'd never do that middle of the playoff series. But if he decided to do it today and said, "Kirk Muller, take over. I'm done." He's, 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 his numbers, regular season and playoffs stack up very nicely against uh, some of the, the, the guys who, who came before him. And especially if I, I think one of the more interesting comparisons, and we can get into this, we'll get into this in more detail in future episodes, especially as we get to Hall of Fame time. I think it's much more challenging now to win a Stanley Cup in a 30, 32 team league than it is in a 16 league or a 12 team league. And Daryl's won multiple Stanley Cups in the expansion era during the 25, 26, 30, 30 team NHL. And that's kind of incredible because it's hockey's much more of a crapshoot, especially the playoffs than it was in the original six era than it was in the earlier eras. There's much less consolidation of, of uh, talent. There's much more, you know, there's more parity contracts are weirder. There's much more restrictions. It's tougher to put a good team together, keep them together and then deal with the weird BS that of randomness and chaos that is professional hockey in the playoffs and mm-hmm. the fact he's got he's got multiple stanley cups he's got a ton of playoff wins he's got tons of regular season wins he's but, 11th right now all time in wins one behind mike babcock 700 is the next one he ended the season on 699 if you uh, run if you run the if you run his playoff numbers he, he stacks up really nicely yeah and and then the two cups i think only 16 head coaches have won two stanley cups with and, and of those i think only like three or four have won them with multiple teams so yeah. even even if you just take the 16 coaches in history have ever won two stanley cups like okay th- that's hall like that's hall of fame if you're one of the 16 guys that's ever done it twice that's hall of fame to me but yeah. he doesn't i guarantee you he doesn't give two craps about whether he gets a call to go to the hall he cares right now about winning game two <laughs> yeah and i and honestly i think i think you know i wrote about this on the site 
earlier the week. I, I think the I think the the nice the smart thing they did was if you look at the guys they brought in, they already had Milan Lucic. And I think they looked at the look at how much they're asking, they're leaning on Lucic's experience and went, that it's not enough. Blake and Coleman. They, you know, Yarn Croak has played a ton. Uh Lewis to Foley. Coleman, like they brought in a bunch of guys with a bunch of trips to the series. And I think the more you do that, the more like between, you know, you have a, you have, All those guys you, you have Kirk awesome. Muller who's done it as a player. You've had Daryl Sutter who's done it as a coach. You've had, you know, a ton of guys with different backgrounds from different experiences that if you're Dylan Dubé and you're like, or Oliver Shillington or Dan Vladar, whoever, you can go to someone in that room and they'll be able to help you manage the mental side of it. Cause I think the hockey side of it, all these guys, you know, my dad always says this, you know, we always talk about, I talked about playoff experiences like, well, come on, Ryan, these guys have played hockey all their life. They played in, in big games all their life. That's not really a big deal to them. And I agree. And I disagree. Cause I think not at this there's, level, there's a difference between 19, like there's a difference between doing it in the Memorial cup, like all due respect to the fine people of Kelowna, but I think it hits differently playing in the, WHL playoffs or the Memorial Cup than playing the Stanley Cup playoffs or playing. I think I think playing in the World Juniors and Olympics is probably translatable, but very few other things are. And I think having as many people as they have in those locker rooms who've done it, even even if you look off the ice, like some of the trainers, training staff, the PR staff, a lot of these guys, you know, have gone to the Olympics, gone to World Championships, gone to these kind of things in the past. And you know, the, you know, Jason LaBarbera went to the uh, to the World Juniors. He coached the world juniors mm-hmm. and you know, uh, the, the training staff has done that. So I, I think, you know, surrounding them with as many people as they have who've gone on those kind of experiences. Well, I think they can help them manage the, me- the mental side of it. But I think, you know, like you said, they've won one game and yeah. what's next. They're going to try to win a second game. Yeah. And what's next after that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what they, we'll see what's happened after they went two. by the time we record, it will at least four games have been played and the flames will we get, when we record next time we record on Wednesday, most likely they will be a game. Like there will be a game no matter what, because they won game one, so they can't get swept. So yeah. So I yeah, we'll we're it's Wednesday now. We're we'll wind it down. We'll record next Wednesday, which will be either after a sweep, which I think I think it's safe to say neither of us are betting on a sweep. No. So probably when we record this next, it'll be in the run-up to game five at the Saddle Dome. Probably. Probably. If we're wrong, please laugh at us. We will deserve it. Yeah, but I I'll, think I'll gladly take a sweep. I gotta I'm, gladly if, take it. I if, just don't if, expect if I get if we get a few days off between series or you know, I think everyone will take that L. But yeah, so well, uh, I think the nice thing is there will be some things to talk about the next time we record because we have three more playoff games to talk about. More storylines developing, more nastiness maybe. There's there's tons of stuff that'll come our way and we might lose some more hair, stuff like that. Like it's just, it's playoff. You've got some hair to lose, man. You've got some hair to lose. It's going gray. The the, the tail end of my school semester had starting to get some gray hairs in the beard. (laughs) My condolences, my co- but you're almost done. And I did. I finished today. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah. It's summertime, baby. Summertime for Shane and playoff hockey. I can't think of a better way to, to close off. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of Flames Nation Radio, the playoff edition, the round one playoff edition. Uh, I'm Ryan. He's Shane. As usual, this was delivered to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery. 
the makers of fine Rupert's whiskey, the official whiskey, of the Calgary flames. Again, uh, cheap plug, uh, you know, uh, Noah Adler and Princey will be, uh, gathering at the red lot on Thursday evening in the saddle, in the, in the shadow of the saddle dome and also the shadow of the construction going on beside the saddle dome. Uh, there's a lot of construction. So show up early or try to get there early. Uh, parking is going to be a bitch, but, uh, yeah, if you're going down there, uh, head down to the red lot, meet up with Princey and Shane and Noah and say hello. I'm going to try to to stop by momentarily, but I got the game. The you get in there, you the, get in there. It's going to be funner in the, there than the, it is the, out the there. The game, the game days as media is just a gong show because there's a lot of running around, a lot of prep, a lot of a lot, a lot of things to do, and you know we're already starting to you know you're doing prep for other things, so. But it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. So if you get a, if you get a chance to go down, go down, say hello to everyone. They might have swag, they might have stickers, they might they might just give you a high five or or a cheers with their beer or whatever. But it should be fun. So make sure you head down and uh, say hello to everybody. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a week for either Game Five or people saying we told you so. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.